the summit in San Diego, the Corps presents a very special sales training boot camp with Dr. Emerson Egrich. Today's topic, love and respect. I'm very excited about this afternoon. Um, Rick is, uh, and Rita have had the opportunity to get some of their heroes in. We had some sports guys. I don't know. Who were they? Who were, who were these people? Scotty Bowman and Chuck Daly, some guy, some guys, some sports guys. And uh, they, I know they were all excited about it because they were kind of like heroes. Well, this, I wanna, I'm going to introduce you to one of my heroes. So the first thing I want to invite you to do is uh, sit back and uh, open your mind and listen. Um, there have been three, really three men that have influenced my life, and sadly, one of them, uh, well, four. One of them was certainly my father. But the, the biggest impacts uh, were by three other men. And one of them is my good friend, Rick Ruby. He's had a significant impact on my life. <clears throat> Another one was my, my voice coach in college. He, he, he quickly became a father figure for me and, and taught me a lot. And another is, uh, is Emerson here, and, and I, I don't know that I've ever communicated that to him, but I want you to understand how lucky you are that we are to have, to have him here today. This, uh, this is, a, is a gentleman that, in my mind, is, is brilliant and has, has a, the, the ability to take things that we all find complicated, make them very simple, make them very practical, and make them something that we can apply and use in our lives. And uh, Emerson has had a, 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 lot of, a lot of success in his life. He's, he started uh, his career really out building, in, in building a church and uh, built a, a very successful organization, if you will, and really found out uh, as he got into that that, that what, he, what he really, 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 where his heart was, was helping, helping um, males and females communicate with one another. And... That has a lot of applications for us. You know, I've, I've sat around and, and talked with lots of you at after hours, and, and we've, all, we've all struggled with that, haven't we? Lots of us have been through divorces. Um, lots of us are in second marriages, and that has its own set of challenges. We have uh, males and females uh, in our companies that we have to communicate with. We have clients who uh, show up as males and females. And, and it's, it's, don't we? Did I say that bad? Did I say that poorly? <laughs> well, you're paying attention. I appreciate that. So, you know, I, I'm very excited to have one of my heroes here. So, uh, uh, Dr. Emerson Egrich is going to come and share with us and how, how we can communicate uh, those males and females that we are and how we can take that and apply it in our lives, in our businesses, in all the relationships that we have. So please stand up and scream out loud for my hero, Dr. Emerson Egrich. Thank you. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, invitation and uh, introduction. I appreciate that. I didn't know I was your hero. That's great. That's great. And Rick, where's Rick? A hero. So we, we have our own little club here. We can, uh, that's good, that's great, that's wonderful. Well, Sarah, my wife and I have been married since 1973. Sarah, would you stand? 
We have three adult children, 28, 26, and uh, 21, Jonathan, David, and Joy. And uh, Sarah and I travel the country now doing these conferences together, marriage conferences. In fact, we're doing one tonight and tomorrow here in the San Diego area. But male and female communication is a fun topic. A woman says, I have nothing to wear. She means she has nothing new. A man says he has nothing to wear. It means he has nothing clean. <laughs> How is it that we say the very same words, but we mean something totally different? Same words, I have nothing to wear. I have nothing to wear. But we don't mean the same thing by that. Imagine then when we're in conversations and we say different words with different meanings. This husband and wife both had successful careers. They didn't have children. And he had said to her one week, Hey, you know, I've been thinking about having some of my associates come over for dinner. Uh, I don't know if that's an option, if that's something you'd be interested in, in uh, doing. And she said, You know, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about having more folks over and doing some more hospitality stuff. Yes, let's do it. In fact, this Friday night would be great. Do you think it's possible for the, the folks to come over then? He said, yeah, I think so. So she said, in fact, I'll come home early and fix the meal and let, let's do it. So that Friday came, she came home early, fixed the dinner and, and uh, the guests came. They had a wonderful social evening. They ate and, the, and then the guests left and then they cleaned up, the husband and wife, and uh, now they're retiring to bed. And she says, that's the worst meal I've ever made. He said, no, it's not, honey. You see how quickly it goes down? (laughs) Can't you just see her saying, What are you saying? Are you saying I've made thousands of worse meals than this? Okay, mama's boy, just go move in with your mother for a couple weeks. Let her feed your fat face. But what if he was full of goodwill? What if he was full of goodwill? She says, That's the worst meal I've ever made. No, it's not, honey. You've never made a bad meal. What if that's what he meant by what he said? And she jumps all over that. Flamethrower. <laughs> but then again, maybe over the last couple months, he'd been making some kind of snide remarks about her cooking. And she'd been picking up on that. So when she said, that's the worst meal I've ever made, he went, no, it's not, honey. (laughs) Inflection is everything. Same words. At the first year of our life, we didn't use words. As infants, as toddlers, we interpreted our world through the facial expressions of our parents, the tones, right? Some have suggested that the majority of our communication still is nonverbal. Interesting. So when he says, <laughs> no, it's not, honey, then she, of course, explodes because she'd been picking up on that. And then, then we get into these conflicts, sometimes in marriage in particular, where, you know, innocent things happen. But then as we get into these misunderstandings, we can kind of uh, upset one another, kind of offend one another. Then we kind of get nasty. 
So, you know, she says, okay, mama's boy, just go move in with your mother for a couple of weeks and let her feed your fat face. And he says, you know, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea at all. You know, I haven't seen mom for a while. You know, before I go, I do have to give you a compliment. I really do. I mean, you know, you know, you, you really do treat me like a god. Every night, another burnt offering. And we get nasty, don't we? Sometimes we can start off innocently, but then we get nasty. We get mean. And it begins with the best of motivations. In fact, we were doing a conference and a fellow came up to me and he said, uh, hey, i got a story to tell you. It's not a good story, but it happened <laughs> to me, he said. It was our 10th anniversary and I had remembered he said that hadn't been the case over the decade. She had hinted at our anniversary and I hadn't picked up on the hint. She had been direct with me and I'd forgotten. She had said nothing. At different times I had done nothing. But on the 10th I remembered and she hadn't said anything, no hints. I had gone to the drugstore to get a cart and I came into the drugstore area and I was probably 15, 20 feet from the rack of cards and... Uh, and one card just jumped out at me. Unbelievable. It was her. I could just tell the colors, the words, the, the whole thing. It was her. And so I immediately go over, grab that card, get the envelope, take it to the counter, pay for it, come home. She's there unexpectedly. So I hurry into another part of the house and sign my name to the thing and put it in the envelope, sign the envelope and bring it to her. And, and she beams from ear to ear. I mean, she was grinning. The energy that was going through her was unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And she's opening the envelope. She's reading it. And suddenly her face dropped. Turned sour. Her eyes darkened. The look. I said, what's wrong? Because he was a sensitive guy. He can pick up on these things. She said, nothing. There is two. What's wrong? No, there's not. There is two. What's wrong? There's nothing wrong. There is two. What's wrong? Well, not bad for getting me a birthday card. He thought he was in the anniversary section. He was in the birthday card section. He hadn't paid attention. He got her a birthday card, not an anniversary card. Recently, I was doing a conference. A guy came up to me and said, I made that same mistake. Now, if that was your relationship, where would that go? Think with me for a moment. Where is that going to go? He goes, no way. Let me see this. Ah, unbelievable. You're unbelievable, all right. Hey, look, I made an honest mistake, okay? Give me a break. I'm about to, right over the head. Believe this. Can't believe this. Hey, look, I made an honest mistake, okay? You know what? What? If you got your car painted in a detailed line across the side of your car, you know what? You'd notice if they made a mistake that was a millionth of an inch off. You want to know why? Because you care about your car. And, hey, and, you, and, and when people are careless about what you care about, you notice. You want to know why you're careless? You don't care. 
Well, now she escalates it to character assassination. And he gets angry. He's angry. I can't believe you said that. I made an honest mistake. I can't believe you're saying that. You know what? Why? I'm glad I got you a birthday card. And two goodwill people are stomping off on their 10th anniversary from one another. Now they're in other parts of the house, looking out the window, saying, why does this happen to us? Why does this happen to us? Why does this keep happening to us? How does this keep happening to us? This is crazy. You know, if I came into this room and flipped the lights on two or three times and they didn't come on, you wouldn't think anything about it, right? But if I stood there for a half hour and flipped the lights on and off and they didn't come on, You'd say I'm crazy. Craziness is when we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again with the same ill effect. You know, people who have physical deformities, my mother used to teach acrobatics and tap dancing, so on and so forth. She would have a special education class, and there would be, they just, some of them would just do this because we have compassion on them because they have mental, physical deformities. They just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Over and over again. But we have compassion on them because they can't help it. Marital craziness is when we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again with the same ill effect. And we're people of sound mind. Have you ever had a conflict with your spouse when suddenly the issue didn't seem to be the issue? Oh, we got a few of you here, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. What is the issue when the issue isn't the issue? And, and, and you, you see their spirit deflate, right? You're, you're going along in a conversation when suddenly his spirit just deflates. Or you're going along in a conversation, and, and it may be a substance of conversation, and, and, and his spirit deflates. And, and you think to yourself, oh, now what did I say? <laughs> think back on a conversation like that. You can just see their spirit deflate and maybe close off, gets provoked in anger, but it's, it's like something, whoa, the issue here isn't the issue. There's something else going on. And what's interesting, I believe this, and we'll unpack this in just a moment, when the issue isn't the issue to your spouse, it's rarely an issue to you of a deeper nature. That's why we say, now what did I do? Have you ever had that? It's kind of like... What? So childish. Now, now, now what did I say or do? And see, that means whatever that issue is that's deeper here, it's not an issue to me. Grow up. Or reverse it. Your spirit deflates. You get provoked. And they go, oh, it's all about you now. I can just see it. What, what? Now, what is it? You're so childish. What is the issue when the issue isn't the issue? Well, I made a discovery. Yes, communication. And that's the broad brushstroke. But I believe there's one thing going on in the spirit of a woman when the issue isn't the issue. And one thing's going on in the spirit of a man when the issue isn't the issue. Dr. John Gottman at the University of Washington, he studied now for 30 years 3,000 couples, and the University of Washington has what they call a love laboratory. And uh, they have a whole group of researchers that quantify the research in depth. They do heart monitoring, blood pressure, they videotape, they interview. I mean, it's in-depth stuff. 
not just clinical studies, not just anecdotal material, but deep, deep observations. And he wrote a book several years ago called Why Marriages Succeed or Fail. And he said, we now have discovered that there are two key ingredients for a successful marriage. Just two. And if those are present, your marriage will succeed, thus the title books. Why marriages succeed or fail. And they fail when those two ingredients are not present. What are those two key ingredients? What he says here, they're interesting. He said, it doesn't make any difference how rich you are, how poor you are. It doesn't make any difference... Uh, how many years you've been married? How few years? It doesn't make any difference. Your fighting style. Some people are volatile in their fighting style. Others are avoidant. Most people are avoidant. He said it doesn't make any difference if you're volatile or avoidant. It comes down to these two key ingredients. And they are these. Love and respect. Love and respect. And in fact, as you begin to look at this, I believe, and I'll point it out from his research as well as from some research we've done on a national scale, and hang on to your hats here, when the issue isn't the issue to your wife or spouse or a woman at the level of deep friendship, I believe at the end of the day she will interpret the situation as unloving. Now, I'll make the case in a moment that women need respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Aretha Franklin, yes, you know, Motown. But I'm going to make the point that when the spirit of a woman deflates, she's feeling unloved. And when a man's spirit deflates at the level of intimacy, it's because he's feeling disrespected for who he is as a person. Now, I also saw something. I believe her deepest need is for love, and his deepest need is for respect. Let's just take that as my theory. Hang on to your hat. You'll have a series of objections. Hang on with my thought process, because I've been through this enough now, about five years. I know what your objections are, and we'll address those. But hang on to the concept first, and we'll kind of double back a little bit, and I'll explain some more. But as I thought about it, I believe that she needs love like she needs air to breathe. And she has this hose connected to a love tank. And she breathes in that air like love like air. She needs that at the level of intimacy. And if you come in as a big elephant looking for some place to eat your peanuts, and you step on her air hose... She's not going to go, oh, okay, I'm going to suffocate and die. Just go ahead and kill me. No, she's going to, get off my arrows, you big elephant. Get off my arrows. See, she needs love like she needs air to breathe. And she's not going to be negative in the reaction. I mean, she's not going to be positive in the reaction. She'll be very negative in that reaction. Hang on to that image. I believe he needs to feel respected for who he is, apart from his performance, like he needs air to breathe. He has this hose connected to a respect tank. And when you come in and stand on his air hose as a beautiful fawn, <laughs> with all your little fawnettes to have a picnic, he's not going to flatline it on the emotional heart monitor. He's going to react, get off my air hose, get off! But here's something that I saw, and I want you to think of a clock. And at the top of the clock, and this was the illumination I had that's very exciting and makes sense to a lot of folks, it seems. At the top, you write two words, without love. And then at 3 o'clock, she reacts. So, at 12 o'clock, without love. At 3 o'clock, she reacts. 
As I point out, she's not going to flatline it on the emotional heart monitor. Then at 6 o'clock, right, without respect. And then at 9 o'clock, he reacts. So without respect, 6 o'clock, and at 9 o'clock, he reacts. But then I see a love and respect connection. Without love, she reacts without respect. And without respect, he reacts without love. And without love, she reacts without respect. And then without respect, he reacts without love. And then without love, she reacts without respect. And this thing starts to spin, and it gets crazy, and I call it the crazy cycle. And people are on it for 42 years. Because when the issue isn't the issue, this is the issue. But they're like somebody flipping on lights. They just keep doing the same thing over and over again with the same ill effect. Unless they decode. Unless they decode what's going on. Now, that's where we're going to go, and it's very exciting. But now let me respond to some of the objections. Women say, well, we need R-E-S-P-E-C-T. What are you saying? That we don't need respect? No, we all need love and respect. We all need love and respect. But if you women want respect at the level of intimacy, then tell me this. Why is there not one card, not one card in all of the card industry, Hallmark and whatever, from a husband to a wife that says, baby, I really respect you. It does not mean that you do not need respect. You need respect. But at the level of intimacy, I'm going to tell you something. And the card industry, is it an ideologically driven thing or is it driven by the buck? It's driven by money. And they know Aretha's song, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. They've tried to put that card out in the market. It doesn't sell. Why? Because at the end of the day, a woman wants to hear from her intimate, I love you. Not, hey woman, I respect you. Especially since you got the big inheritance from your old man. Don't love you a bit, but boy, do I respect you. No, no, doesn't work that way. But what's also interesting is you won't find one card from a wife to a husband that says, baby, I really respect you. We have become what we call a, a love-dominated culture. My background, I have a Ph.D. in family-related studies plus a master's in communication, so I know a little bit about the academic stuff and what's going on in the culture. We have become, over the last 25 to 40 years, a love-dominated culture. Women buy the cards, and they want to receive the cards. And for them, at the level of intimacy, it's about L-O-V-E. And by the way, back to Aretha's song, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Otis Redding wrote that. (laughs) And he released it as a single, as a message from a man, a husband, to his wife in 1965. It was released as a single by Otis Redding. 1965, give you all your money. Women, you know, in 65, the women say, here, I'll give you all my money. Now, Aretha was an upcoming star at that point, and they liked the rhythm of that song, so they adapted it as best they could. It's become the mantra of the feminist movement in many ways, but the bottom line still is it was from the heart of a man. Well, put it this way. Well, you, are you saying that women don't want respect? No, they do. But here, here look, at, look at marriage. If a husband is disrespectful, disrespect, 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 disrespect. Week after week after week, he's disrespectful. She'll turn at one point and say, you know what? Why? You don't even love me. How can you say you love me and treat me disrespectfully? You show disrespect to a man week after week. Disrespect, 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 disrespect. He'll turn and say, you know what? What? I don't deserve this disrespect. Everybody respects me but you. 
In fact, you ask a guy, does your wife love you? Oh, yeah. Does she like you? No. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> no, I think of it. She didn't like me yesterday either. I believe this, that very few men turn to the wife and say, you, you treat me disrespectful, disrespectful, you don't love me. If he were to say you don't love me, that would be an affront to a woman, because I believe that within the nature of a woman, she loves to love, she wants to love. It's an affront to her character. She says, I do too love you, don't you say that. She'll confront him right now. I don't respect you any further than I can throw you, but I love you a ton. <laughs> and let me say, love and respect are not the same. You respect your boss, but you don't love your boss. So the question is, how do we make sense out of this? How do we make sense? In fact, it's interesting, some of the research that we did through a group called Decision Analysts, it was a, a random national study um, of 400 men, whether they were living with somebody, whether they were married. And interesting, this question was asked of these 400 men, great research, was this. Even the best relationships sometimes have conflicts on day-to-day -day issues. In the middle of a conflict with my wife or significant other, I am more likely to be feeling that my wife or significant other doesn't respect me right now or that my wife or significant other doesn't love me right now. You know what these 400 men said from all walks of this American life? A representative sample of the Western culture here in the United States. The answer 81.5% said that my wife doesn't respect me right now. He processes his world through what I call blue. She processes her world through what I call pink. In fact, she wears pink lenses and it colors what she sees. She wears pink hearing aids and it affects what she hears. She speaks through a pink megaphone. He wears blue lenses and has blue hearing aids and speaks through a blue megaphone. So when that woman says, I have nothing to wear, if there are a thousand women all wearing pink hearing aids and pink sunglasses, they'd all yell back, I don't have anything to wear either. Nothing new, sweetie. I don't either, you know. They'd all hear what she means by that. If you have a thousand men listening to him say, I have nothing to wear, though, she ain't doing your laundry either. <laughs> Just a joke. Another question was this. Another question, fascinating, fascinating. Of these 400 men, it was asked, would you rather be unloved and left alone in the world or would you rather be viewed as inadequate and disrespected? These 400 men were asked, would you rather be left alone and unloved in the world or would you rather be viewed as inadequate and disrespected? Interesting question. The gal who helped put this research, a friend of mine, she's got a master's in Harvard in public policy, and she speaks to women's groups, and uh, the women are stunned at the response at what they hear the men having said. Here's the response. 74% of the men said they would rather be left alone and unloved in the world. Men cannot handle the thought that you view them as inadequate and disrespectful. So here's something that happens. Let's suppose your wife is complaining, and she's saying, you know, I can't believe it. We had all these Thanksgiving meals. We had the Christmas meals. We had all these different things that were going on during the holidays. And then we had the New Year's uh, party and we had all these people over and eating. And I got on the scale a couple days ago and I put on 13 pounds. I can't believe it. I'm overweight. I can't believe it. I, I can't do anything with my hair. I feel fat. I feel bloated. I don't have anything to wear. 
So he's a sensitive guy, and he listens. He happens to be at this bookstore, and the lead book, January 15th, is <laughs> Dieting, Post-Holiday Menus. So he buys the book and brings it to her, and she goes ballistic. He thinks he's at Cape Canaveral. And on the way up, she said, I can't believe you bought that book for me. I can't believe you did that. You men have two brains. One's lost and the other's out looking for it. Can't believe it. And then she moves into self-deprecation. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe that. I can't believe that you did that. Am I not a dragon? I can't believe, you know. So, I will tell you what Pink hears and sees when that diet book comes into the room. In fact, she picks up on it immediately. And it starts screaming. Her hearing aids, pink hearing aids, go in the dissonance when she sees that diet book. It is just stunning to her. Unbelievable. And in fact, it starts screaming her so loud and little letters start coming up out of that book and form into phrases, three phrases, and they get huge and bigger and bigger and bigger and then suddenly they're hovering right in front of her and any normal human being could see these three phrases. And then they plaster themselves on the living room wall. And those three phrases are these, from him through that book. So she hears, I do not accept you. I do not approve of you. I do not love you unless you look like a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. <laughs> That's what she hears through that diet book. And she goes ballistic. And let me share with you, that a woman has a need that a man doesn't have. And some of us, take, it takes years for us to discover that she has needs that we don't have. And is that okay? This, the flip side is that he has needs, he has needs that she doesn't have. Is that okay? The whole body image issue, if, let, let's put it this way. If she brings home a diet book for you and gives it to you, you're going to go, hey, thanks, what's for dinner? See, because you know Atlas is inside there and you can bring him out anytime you want. <laughs> now, her best girlfriend can bring her a diet book and she'll say, are you doing this? Should we do this together? <laughs> See, in relationship to a man, at the level of intimacy, she's very sensitive to those issues that communicate, you know what, at the end of the day, I only love you if. She's very sensitive to the feeling and to the sense that you're placing conditions on the relationship. And if there are, she feels prostituted. And so she's very, very sensitive to those messages, those situations that communicate to her that you don't love her for her, who she is as a person, regardless. And she reacts. And so without love, she reacts without respect. You see, it's a defensive reaction. Without love, defensively, she reacts. Unfortunately, here's what happens. Offensively, without respect. Without love, defensively, she reacts offensively without respect. The message she's trying to send is, I don't feel love by you right now. I can't believe you treat me this way. I can't believe it. You, you do have two brains. One's lost, the other's out looking for it. 
And at a certain point at intimacy, and we, in the research, we call it women, when they're in stranger groups, women are very beautiful in stranger groups. This would be considered a stranger group. So very deferential, don't interrupt, very sensitive, and uh, will pull back sometimes. But in the home, when it comes to emotionality, she's very aggressive, very intentional, move toward the husband to address issues. She will be very vocal and very verbal when those doors are closed. She will communicate the depth of her feeling in her heart. And she will be free with that. What she doesn't always understand is what Dr. Gottman found. At a certain point, as she begins to ventilate her negative criticism, at a certain point in that conversation, the man hears that not as a cry, I need to resolve this. I need us to look at this and talk about this. And I can't believe you just did this. At a certain point, he hears that negative criticism as contempt for who he is as a human being. He does not process it you don't love me. He hears it. I don't respect you for who you are. He said, I made an honest mistake. Okay, I'm never going to, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to buy anybody a diet book after that. I can't believe it. <laughs> Every man makes that mistake once. Your son will make that mistake. Once. <laughs> and you think, where's his brain been? Westman said, you know, the teacher will appear when the student's ready to learn. So that first year of marriage, he's ready to learn. Unfortunately, he'll learn through making the mistake. He's a helpful boy, he who nursed at your breast. He's a good-willed boy. He's a good-willed boy. But he's going to do what I'm sharing with you. Your son will do this. It isn't just about the man you love. It's also about the boy that you nursed. And so what happens, she cries out, I can't believe how unloving you are. And he was. That was not a wise thing to do. But she will react in ways that end up offending him. And he no longer hears the cry of her heart, I need your love. Instead, he feels disrespected. And you can start anywhere on this thing. Let's suppose you've been having some tension in the marriage. You go to that same bookstore as the wife, and the lead book is marriage. The key to success is communication. Whoa, you open up that book and you think, wow, that's us, that's us. You look at the table, oh, whoa, whoa. You buy that book and you bring it home and you, you devour it from cover to cover. It's unbelievable. And, and you've read about, oh, ten articles this year. And In fact, this is the fourth book you've, on marriage you've bought. And you decide to, you think, well, you know, he needs to read this. He, he needs to read this. But he's busy. He doesn't have time to read it from cover to cover, so I'm going to take a yellow marker and highlight some of the key sections for him to read. <laughs> and you've read several articles, so you put this article in it as well. This is the ninth or tenth article that you've passed on his way. And I say to the woman, where'd you put it? Well, I put it right next to the, his chair that he sits in, his lounge chair. Uh, there's a, a stand there, and I put it there. I said, well, did he read it? No. I said, well, how do you know he didn't read it? Because I measured and the book hadn't moved. <laughs> There's no dust on it. I said, well, you know, he saw the book. He's not as dumb as he looks. <laughs> he saw it. But he wears blue hearing aids. And he has blue lenses. And he saw it there as he's watching the game. But he is not going to acknowledge it because last time he got involved in this whole thing. And this is the fourth book this year. And he sees the article sticking out of the book. That's about the tenth article. He thinks a dozen articles coming at him. And, and, and so he just watches the game. But suddenly his ears go into, hearing aids go into dissonance, and, 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 and suddenly the little letters come up out of that book and form into words, and then into three sets of words and, and phrases, and then they get bigger, and they're hovering in front of him. And he's trying to look around and watch the game, but he can't see it, and screaming at him. Suddenly they plaster themselves on the living room wall. And those three phrases are these from her through the book. I do not accept you. I do not approve of you. 
I do not respect you, Buster, unless you change right now. It's been said that a woman marries thinking that she'll love him into change. If someone loved me like that, I know I'd change for them. So I see things in his life that he needs to change. But I'm going to love him into change. I'm just going to love on him and love him and love him and love him. So she said, I'm going to love him into change. A guy marries thinking, the girl will never change. <laughs> After marriage, he, she says, he won't change. After marriage, he says, that's not the woman I married. <laughs> See how this happens? So what happens then, without respect, he reacts. Without respect, defensively, it's a defensive reaction. He reacts offensively without love. What do we mean? Well, when a woman gives her husband a, a, or a significant other a book in marriage, she's trying to increase the feelings of love. Let's increase the feelings of love. Let's work on the relationship. I want to deal with my stuff. You deal with your stuff. I value the marriage. Why don't you value the marriage? I value you. Would you value me? What do you mean you don't want to read the book? Don't you value me? What do you want to do with your stuff? I can't believe it. You're not adequate. I don't respect you. I feel all alone and I feel unloved. You're inadequate and I don't respect you. And this baby spins because if you realize what I just said, that's the research. So without respect, defensively, he reacts. How do most men react? 85% of those who stonewall, according to Gottman's research, are men. Stonewalling means he just shuts down at a certain point. He just shuts down. You get into this conversation where he begins to hear the negative criticism and disrespect. What's interesting is that when she feels unloved, she tends to move toward the husband very intentionally. We need to talk. We need to talk right now and sit down. We need to connect. I, need, I feel so isolated. I feel so alone. I feel so unloved. We need to sit down and talk about this. I can't believe this. She's trying to do the loving thing. Unfortunately, and this is what's so sad, both are full of goodwill. She is full of goodwill. You know, two people don't get married. You know, hey, we've been dating now for eight months. and You hate me and I hate you, so let's get married. <laughs> it doesn't go down that way. How is it that two goodwill people on a Friday night on the 10th anniversary are stomping off from one another? Goodwill people. Goodwill people. What's going on here, folks? It's been said that we have more knowledge than we've ever had at the level of intimacy. Some suggest we're educated beyond our intelligence. <laughs> but we've got more ruptured relationships at the level of intimacy than, than in some ways history has ever really known. Could there be something that we've missed here? I believe it's this crazy cycle. In fact, you'll just by way of a personal insertion, 15 minutes before we came down to lunch. I've been working on a book from January to now, and 15 minutes before I came down here, I sent the manuscript off to my publisher called Love and Respect. It's going to be out in the fall. I believe there's a secret that cracks the communication code between men and women. And it's crucial that we decode that, because if we don't, we're going to miss it. Our sons and daughters are going to miss it. You see, the code she's trying to send is, I don't feel loved by you right now. Unfortunately, what he hears is, I don't respect you any further than I can toss you. The message he's trying to send in this culture, which is not popular, 
I don't feel respected by you right now. And interestingly, when he surfaces, I don't feel I deserve this kind of disrespect. Everybody respects me but you. In this culture, women have been given license to say, but I don't respect you. I don't feel any respect for you. In fact, here's what women will say when we unfold this. I'll say, well, have you ever thought about unconditional respect just as there needs to be unconditional love? And women say, well, I don't feel any respect for him. He hasn't earned my respect. He doesn't deserve respect. He might treat me in a subservient way. He, he might emotionally kill me. I'm not a doormat. He's certainly not superior to me, and that's the book dictionary definition of respect, showing respect to superiors. I'm not inferior to him. But other than those reasons, I'm open to hearing what you have to say about this. So the question is whether or not we're talking unconditional love and unconditional respect. May I share with you I'm talking unconditional love and unconditional respect. Put it this way. No male feels fond feelings of affection and love in his soul toward a person who he perceives has contempt toward who he is as a human being. That will be your, your son, those of you who have sons. We have to come to a point where we say, not wrong, just different. In fact, I went to a military school from 8th grade to 12th grade. My mom and dad divorced one another, and then they remarried one another. I wet the bed until I was 11. I uh, cried myself to sleep many nights. People said, was it by mutual agreement that you go to a military school? And I said, yeah, mom and dad both agreed that I ought to go. <laughs> but I... Um, Struggled. Sarah's family, there isn't a person in, in her marriage, uh, her, her family, that have remained married. One has been married four times, another uh, three times, another three times, another two, another, uh, the whole extended family. Uh, stepsisters, brothers, I mean, it's just, it's, we come out of a lot of that pain. So both that personal pain, plus my academic circle, plus being a pastor, realized there's a lot of hurt. <laughs> I have a lot of hurt in my own soul. I felt like, you know, there must be something here that, that can crack this. There's, there's got to be something going on. The code she's trying to send is, I don't feel loved by you. My mom and my dad, who are now deceased, but I remember watching my dad attempt to strangle my mom. And in fact, after my dad died, I said to my mom, I voiced this, I said, I remember when dad had you up against the refrigerator and was choking you. And she said, you were too young to remember that. You remember that? She was stunned. It's as vivid as I'm standing here. So the question is, what is it that's going on when people have goodwill with one another but are missing one another? I believe this is the, the ingredient. Having gone to this military school, I thought about something here. Just as the card industry, a woman wants to hear love and express love, let me share a military illustration. I want you to envision this as a special ops team. It's a hand-picked group of, of men in this case. It'll be sexist in that regard, but it's about 100 men who are going to be going behind some enemy territory. And there's a three-star general who's asked permission to lead this group. And they've been doing some different tactics and different things, and he's been watching them. And he has them all standing out there. He said, I was watching you men today. You stink. You absolutely stink. You stink. It's unbelievable the mistakes you're making. But I asked for permission to lead this group and to be in front of this group because I see more potential in this group than any other fighting unit in the history of mankind. The world will hear of this unit. Get your head up, young man. Look at me. Get you, you get your head. Every one of you. Get, look at me. Look at me. Get your heads up. Don't you look down. I believe in you men more than you believe in yourselves. I admire you men more than you admire yourself. That's why you stink so much. I have enough self-respect and confidence. I believe in you men. 
And where I'm going to take you in the next six months, the world will hear of you. And I'm leading this unit. Now, ladies, I don't know if you understand this fully. Maybe some of you here do. But every man here knows this. That's why the girls like to sleepless in Seattle. You'll weep and the guys fall asleep. And why? The gladiator, the strength and courage. Yeah. The guys weep in those. Where are you on? There's a male-female difference here. Not to put down women. Just that there are some differences here. And here's interesting about how your son will process this. When, when men hear that general speak that way, men do two things in the face of that. They do two things. One, they serve. That's why men call it the service. Hey, where'd you serve? I served in Vietnam. Hey, I did too. High five. Second thing men do, are you listening to me? Second thing men do in the face of that is they die. I was in Manhattan on 9-11. 99.9% of those who went back into the Twin Towers were men. Men have an ability, what we call in psychology, to compartmentalize. Women have what we call an integrated personality. Their mind, body, soul, and spirit are connected. So if their spirit's wounded, it will display itself out her face. If mama's not happy, nobody's happy. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> but men can shove those, most men can shove those emotions into compartments and march to their death. Your son will be able to do that. And there is something about that that's very interesting. They will serve and they will die. There are voices in the culture that say, if you show unconditional respect toward a man, he'll treat you in a subservient way. I say, that's not true. That is not true. If he's a good-willed individual, over the marathon of the marriage or relationship, he will serve. He will not treat a person in a subservient way. It's within his nature. There are voices in the culture that say, well, if you show that kind of unconditional respect toward a man, he will... He'll uh, kill you emotionally. Uh-uh, not a good-willed man over the marathon of the marriage. He'll have a bad hair day just like anybody else, but over the marathon of that marriage, he will die for her in a heartbeat. It's within his nature. In fact, one man said to his wife, I love you so much. I love you so much, I would die for you. She said, oh, Harry, you keep saying that, but you never do. <laughs> The question is, will we decode the crazy cycle? Without love, she reacts without respect, and without respect, he reacts without love. Here's an interesting thing. This is a true story, and I want to point out the importance of decoding, getting at the spirit of the spouse. When the issue isn't the issue, I believe this is the issue. When you see the spirit of your wife or your significant other deflate, I believe at the end of the day she's feeling unloved. That's how she processes it. I can't believe I was loving you, or why would you treat me so disrespectfully? Don't you love me for who I am? He tends to be very assured of her love toward him. Women love to love. They communicate that. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. It is a constant thing. He doesn't tend to be insecure. If he is insecure about her love, then you're going to see a reversal here. If she says, I no longer love you, or she's transferred affection to somebody else, yeah, then it becomes very problematic. But in most relationships, in the first three, five years, she's just loving on him. And when these conflicts happen, he's not processing it. You don't love me. He's feeling disrespected for who he is. And that's exactly what she communicates. I love you, but I don't respect you. In fact, one of the points I make today is interesting. Women can stand. I have him right here. I said, do you love your husband? Oh, yes, I love him a ton. you respect him? No. And he's standing right there. That's the same as me turning to a woman and saying, you know, if your husband was here and I said, um, sir, do you respect your wife? And he 
You go, oh, I really do. She's a great money manager, great mother. The home is immaculate. I mean, oh, I, I respect this woman more than any other human being. Sir, do you love her? No. <laughs> you see the devastation? I say to women, what would you feel? I'd be devastated. I'd be devastated if, if he said he respected me but didn't love me. I said, how long would it take you to get over it? Forever. I've done this enough and again and again. Devastated forever. Devastated forever. I said, if he needs respect like he needs air to breathe, what do you think he feels when he hears you say, I love you, but I don't respect you? Would he be devastated? Mm-hmm. How long do you think it'd take him to get over it? Would it take him forever? Mm-hmm. Well, let me share with you a male-female difference. You're an integrated personality. If he comes across that way, you've been given license in this culture to rebuke him. And you'll break down and cry. Most women will break down and cry. When they're deeply hurt, they'll sob at the, in the home. They'll break down and cry. I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you're doing this to me. I can't. Why would you do this? She will break down and cry when she's deeply offended. When your son, who is married, is deeply offended, he will not break down and cry in most cases. He will get angry and he'll close himself off. 85% of those who stonewall, who, who just go off. And particularly if he feels that there is contempt coming at him as a human being, what he'll do is he'll just walk away. He'll just walk out. And when he walks out, that is the most unloving thing you could do to a woman. But at that point, she's so threatened, she will say something so venomous to your son that he's never heard those words before. And they are on the crazy cycle, and they are lost. And they'll go to the divorce lawyer because divorce lawyers exist because they're motivated to serve mankind. And what's so sad is that there is an honest misunderstanding among two goodwill people. But the question is, will we decode this? When the issue isn't the issue, and you see his spirit deflate, when you see her spirit, will we decode? This is a true story. Uh, Stephen Covey talks about happening to himself on a, a subway. I'm going to put us all in a, in a bus. This happens to 40 of us. Let's say we're in a bus. We need to go to destination Z from A, and it's going to be a 14-hour uh, red-eye special on Greyhound. It's going to be an all-night ride, Right? And there's room for 40, and there's about, uh, you know, 35, 36 on the bus, and the bus is just waiting. And suddenly this man, father, gets on the bus with three children, and this man comes down the aisle and, and sits in front of you. Interesting. And he starts staring out the window. Then his three kids get on, the doors close, the bus rolls down the road, and you sit back to try to get a little sleep, other people, when suddenly one of the children screams, and then the other one screams, and then they run down the aisle, and they elbow somebody, and you set up, everybody sets up, the kids are out of control, and the and the father's just staring out the window. He's not doing a thing. And you set up and you're angry. And everybody's angry. And you're right behind. I can't believe this. can't believe this, you know. And everybody's angry. They're fuming. They're looking at you. And then suddenly there's this silent vote. Everybody's looking at you. They make you the chairperson to get the dad's attention. <laughs> Sir. 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 Sir, what? What? Your children, they're running up and down the aisle. We'd like to get a little sleep. There's going to be a long thing. Would you have your children sit down? Can't believe this. And then he says, oh, I'm sorry, sir. And then he sees you. I'm sorry, everybody. We just came from the hospital. My wife, their mother just died. Now, where did your emotions go? They flip-flopped from anger, irritation, fuming, to compassion, empathy, guilt. Just in a nanosecond. Bam! How did that happen? 
Nothing's changed. Everything's changed. Nothing's changed. Everything's changed. Nothing's changed. Everything's changed. How did that happen? Nothing's changed. Everything changed. How can that be? You've got a little piece of information. And that little information helped you decode. Decode. See, up to that point, we're bringing to this situation our own experience. I know why that man's the way he is. He's a liberal, permissive parent. I, those kids are mine for a day. They wouldn't be doing this. And I know who this guy is. My experience tells me I'm offended, therefore he's offensive. I know exactly what I feel, and my feelings are the voice of God. <laughs> and those kids, they're just, they're rebelling. See, that's what we, 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 we saw and heard through our experience. And we felt offended, therefore we are offended. But then we got a little piece of information that helped us decode that this man was doing what every man does when he loses his lover. He's in shock. And children will act out sometimes when they lose mommy. They, they don't know what's going on here. They are, they're just... We're on a marital bus ride, folks. One of us is stonewalling, the other's running up and down the aisle, spasmodically wild. And we're irritated, and we're mad, and we're offended. And our experience tells us if we're offended, they're offensive, particularly if we can predict it. And if we can anticipate and predict that they're going to do something, and then they do it, we're a prophet. And that is a very interesting thing. We become very self-righteous. I know I'm right. I know they're wrong. I wouldn't do that. And I've asked them, I don't know how many times, if I really mattered to them, they would change and they don't change, therefore they're doing this. But remember here, this thing gets carried away. So without love, defensively, she reacts offensively without respect. She's, she knows that disrespect gets you. It's a noodle in the face. Gentlemen, in our world, that's a brick in the face. But that's not her intent. She's crying out for your love. She's not trying to emasculate you and get you to sing in the boys' choir. <laughs> and ladies, he's not trying to be unloving. He doesn't get up in the day and thinking, how can I be unloving toward her today? He's not trying to do that. Instead, he is feeling you don't respect him for who he is, and he doesn't feel fond feelings of affection. And I will tell you in the male, male arena, we are lethal. We are potentially lethal. So in our world, we have an honor code, and when you step over that honor code, you could get killed, or you could kill somebody. So we learned early in life that you've got to calm yourself down, calm yourself down. And what's so interesting, she's trying to do the loving thing, but comes across disrespectful. He's trying to do the honorable thing, and comes across as unloving. The question on this marital bus ride, will we decode? Will we decode? Well, we have seven hours of teaching on this, and I'm going to wrap it up at this point with some Q&A. But let me share a couple thoughts with you. Here's one thing that you can do. This takes guts. And particularly if you are a married couple. The problem is if your spouse isn't here, it can be tough. But one thing you could just say is that felt unloving. Don't say you are an unloving human being. Just say that felt unloving. There's a big difference between personally attacking a person's heart and spirit, the character assassination. He buys the birthday card on the 10th anniversary. He wasn't trying to be unloving. To say that he doesn't care impugns a motive. Yeah, it was stupid, it was dumb. But I will tell you that weddings and anniversaries and, and births, that's a female natural area. And, and men are not as natural. Your son isn't going to be as natural on birthdays and anniversaries. I'm not going to defend the behavior. I'm only going to tell it doesn't come as naturally. And if that becomes a symbol that he doesn't care when he die for you, that's a sad day. 
So he, he, he made an innocent mistake, but I will tell you the minute it gets impugned, then he gets, he's feeling disrespected. He never felt unloved there, and this thing will get crazy. But the question is, can she say, this, that felt so unloving, rather than, you are an unloving human being. You're despicable. And see, all of it's a cry. It's a cry out, love me. Gentlemen, what you can say is, that felt disrespectful. Unfortunately, where we're at in the culture is that your wife will probably turn and say, well, I don't feel any respect for you. This is why we're doing the Love and Respect Conference among men and women together in marriages. We're, we're crusading and campaigning to get the message out to couples because there's a new language that has to be introduced. And we don't have that language in our culture at this point. We'll give unconditional respect in school to every ethnic group, every uh, orientation, whatever. But when it comes to the male in marriage, that has to be earned. R-E-S-P-E-C-T is even unconditional respect toward women for women. But isn't it interesting that there is no, that's an oxymoron to many people, unconditional respect toward a husband. The whole culture says no, no. So it's, it's a matter of uh, tone and facial expression more than anything. Tone and facial expression. Is that which I'm about to say or do going to feel respectful or disrespectful? Is my husband, for instance, going to feel that I'm sending him a message, I don't respect who you are as a human being? If he processes it through his blue hearing aids that way, he's not going to hear your deeper cry. So you might even say, that felt unloving. Did I just come across as disrespectful? Whoa. But I'll tell you to get the ear of every male. A husband can say, you know, that felt very disrespectful. Don't say, you're a disrespectful human. I just heard this guy speak, and that's the issue. You, you're a disrespectful <laughs> I brought you this new broom. <laughs> you go. You go. So what you have to do, yeah. what you have to do is say, um, that felt disrespectful. Honey, did I just come across as unloving? But some of us here would rather... And I will tell you, it's true. Some of us men here would die in a heartbeat for honor. If our buddy was in Vietnam, the Viet Cong would, snipers would wound one of our American soldiers but wouldn't kill him because they knew the loyalty of the American soldier. And they would form a, a, a V-diamond and, and i got to go. John's out there. He's my best friend. i got to go. If nobody's coming with me, I don't care. I'm going by myself. Is anybody going to come with me? i got to go. Why? Because it's the honor between the two. Men will die for honor quicker than they will turn back toward a woman who has contempt for who he feels he is as a human being and to say, that felt disrespectful. Honey, did I come across as unloving? Gentlemen, that takes more guts to do that than it does to die. But it works. Well, there's so much more that we could say. The question is, does this make sense? Rick, why don't you come? And he's going to be up here during the Q&A for a few minutes. And... Uh, <laughs> In fact, you'll like this. A lawyer came up to me the other day and said, I'm suing you. Really? Yeah, suing he you? He, he said, is he suing me? And I, I was shocked. He was at the conference. He Hold said, still one minute. Yeah, he said, it's against the law to have surveillance equipment in my home. I'm suing you. Well, let's open this up for some questions and answers. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk, you're in a spectacular, loving relationship, correct? Incorrect. Kirk is not in a relationship, so ask him a question why. Why? <laughs> Beautiful. Look how my students perform. Yeah. Oh, the answer is because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. B E C A U S. No, no, because. That's why you're not in a relationship.
I, I'm assuming he's a good friend that we could tease him. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm waiting for the answer, though, okay? There's got to well, be an answer. You're asking the question, why aren't you in a relationship? I mean, that's a huge question. But I think we can answer the question, what happens when we do get in a relationship? And if it gets tense at a certain point, what we're saying very clearly is, hey, get in tune with the crazy cycle. If you see the spirit of this woman deflate, turn to her and say, did I just come across to you unlovingly? Almost every woman will melt when that's asked. But then the fear we have is that she will turn back and say, and the reason for that is that you're an unloving human being, and if you would change, everything would be wonderful in our marriage. <laughs> so we fear hearing that, so we don't go on record by saying, how did I come across as unloving, particularly if she holds us accountable for the next time. And the problem today is because we're a love-dominated culture, though, we haven't introduced this other side. And this is why I believe men are looking for a fair and balanced relationship. And what we're excited about is introducing this concept. And we're finding that men are very interested in the marriage if he can say, you know, that felt disrespectful, honey, but I obviously came across as unloving. Can we talk about that? Can I get an advanced copy of your book? Yes. <laughs> yes. I yes. thought he needed a dating service. That would have been my answer. Oh, well, then why don't you answer your own question? <laughs> Martin, what's the question? <laughs> um, when you, uh, when, what you did is you explained to me why my wife says I love you all the time. Yes. She says it constantly. Yes. And it also explained to me why I sometimes say why. And what are you looking, what and, are you looking and for? And why she can't tell me. Or she, she doesn't say it in a language that you hear. Right. Or it's not your mother tongue, as I would say. Yeah, she really fumbles around on that one. You know, yeah. it's like, because I keep, I guess I was looking for her to say, well, I respect you because you're such, you know, yeah. 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 And yeah. she doesn't yeah. say that. That's right. And I go That's away right. like, well, and let me so just why the hell do you love me? You know, I mean, yeah. you keep That's saying right. Yeah. Well, let me just insert on this. This concept of unconditional respect toward a man is foreign to women. The number one response we're getting right now is foreign. It's foreign. And, and so what she doesn't, she doesn't, she thinks in terms of pink and love. It's natural for her to do that. So this whole language that you and I serve and die over, I thought women would better understand it, but they don't understand it. So what we're trying to do is give them vocabulary words. And the way I like it is that we had a thousand people in here speaking Chinese and you didn't speak Chinese and they're all speaking Chinese. But then somebody over there says, the Yankees won. You're going to hear your mother tongue immediately. And so what we're doing, here would be a for instance. Here's how a woman, and women say, what does this look like? Have you ever written a card for your significant other, your husband, uh, and it was a love note? I love you so much. <laughs> X's and O's, X's and O's, pink hearts, right? And then the next day you come in, and you're looking for the card. You say, where's that card? You threw the card away. Why did you throw that card away? Yeah, I read it. Because among us men, we're not writing cards. Hey, Rick, I really love you so much. We don't do that, okay? Yeah, so, but here's this. I can see this all over America in these pharmaceutical areas. Beyond your words of love, say it his way, the card he'll keep. And I say, ladies, you want to write a card that he'll keep and won't throw away? So here's what you do. This is powerful. If you, let's put it the conference where they both have listened to this. Use your term of endearment, dear Poochie Poo. I was thinking of you after what Emerson said, that you would literally die for me. That is an overwhelming thought to me. Thank you. Then sign it this way, ladies, beyond your words of love. Say it this way. With all my respect, the one who still admires you. 
Yes, yes. In fact, I had a lady come up to me and say, what's that one word again? I said, respect. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting that word. <laughs> yeah, it's... See? And see, there's not ill will. Gentlemen, there's not ill will. You need to understand that women will react in disrespectful ways, but it's a noodle in the face. It's not intended to show contempt to us. But if a man talks to us sometimes in the privacy of our home, it's lethal, potentially. We've got to trust the spirit of this woman. And she doesn't speak that language. So let me repeat. Say, I was thinking of you after what Emerson said, that you would literally die for me. That is an overwhelming thought to me. Thank you. And then sign it this way. With all my respect, the one who still admires you. <laughs> you women struggle with this concept, okay? We need praise. I'm going to help you. We need a lot of praise. Me especially, Britt, okay? I need a lot of praise. Did you read the book Five Love Languages? Yes. Okay. Anybody read that book? You know, and it's like his love languages, her love languages. My wife likes gifts, so she's always giving me cards. I don't, I don't really like gifts. I want praise. I want to be told how great I am all the time. All right? And so I realize she's giving me cards because she wants what? Cards. And I wasn't getting it. Just like every morning I stand there and say, honey, you look spectacular in that outfit. I really love those shoes and that color on you as I stand there waiting. <laughs> and she walks right by Emerson. Now we have read this book together, yes. studied it, and did tests on it. Yeah. We're still well, screwing it up. Yeah, but the, oh, well, but no, but the answer is she's beautiful and you're not. Well, that is true too. Why do we know what to do and we don't do it in our relationships? Well, one, we know more than we do. And I think uh, that's the age-old question. That's why I'm saying in some ways we're educated beyond our intelligence. We have an issue today, but I think also in my personal conclusion is we haven't been giving people the right information. I think if we act on the information here, it just makes so much sense, particularly among the men. I think in the last 40 years this has been removed from the marital radar screen, the very thing that causes us to serve and die. But when it's put back into the relationship, there is a tremendous energy that comes back. We also define love and respect. His love motivates her respect, and her respect motivates his love. But the culture says his love motivates her love. But we're saying his love motivates her respect. And what we're doing is helping women understand that men are motivated to serve and die and feel fond feelings of affection and love in their soul towards someone who communicates unconditionally. I believe in your spirit. Even though you've failed many times, I still believe in you. So tell me what to do for her. Well, one, Tell you've already clearly. understood. Well, she's already communicated to you by what she does to you. Women will reveal very clearly. She's given you cards, for instance, communicating a message of love and fondness through cards. That, and you know that toward her. But so when we're fighting, she's not feeling loved by me. Well, you have to ask her. But my belief would be... She you, says I don't respect her. I'm disrespecting yes, right. her a lot. That's yes. what she says. I was yes. thinking I was the chick for a while when yes. you started talking no, no, earlier. No, no. <laughs> That's yeah. I'm wondering, yeah. man, I'm in the wrong body, okay? That's right. That's right. Well, let me answer that. Women do use that a lot. But usually it's when the man dismisses her opinion. And it's I not see. so much that you're sending a message that I don't respect who you are as a human being. She doesn't feel that kind of contempt. But you, you're the answer man, for instance, and she divulges something and you don't engage it. Then she says, you know what? You don't respect me. You don't respect my opinion. You don't respect that. But if you consistently show disrespect toward her person, she'll eventually say, Rick, do you love me? I see. So I haven't beaten it down that bad yet. No, 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 no. Wow. Well, and I all, and yeah, here's another point that I make. When women feel unloved a lot of times in the relationship, they will try to do more loving things. When a man feels disrespected, he will react disrespectfully. It's the tit for tat thing. In our world, you dishonor me, I dishonor you, back off. 
And what happens, this leads to some tremendous confusion. We're trying to send a message, don't treat me this way, but then she ends up feeling disrespected and loved, and this is why people who come to the conference, some, they feel that love and respect marriage conferences mean how to love and respect women. <laughs> is that what it is, how to love and respect women? No, but that's, the, that's what the well, process is. Here. Women need I to see. be loved and respected. That's right. So, you know, we'll make this all about me. I, I tend to aggravate her a little bit, do things I know that annoy her. Why would I do that to? Well, you... Do you want a session privately? Yes, private session. My doctor, okay? I am the open therapy session. Now, let me ask you, who else aggravates their wife? Who does aggravating little things and you know your wife is aggravated? I'll squeeze her leg. Why must you squeeze my leg? Don't squeeze my leg. I like squeezing her leg, okay? She don't like it. So I'm not the only guy, so this is a, a group session. So the... So, so let me see if I get this right. All these guys are squeezing her leg. No. Only me. All right, all right. Well, I think again, women are pretty uh, verbal and are very expressive. So they will usually tell us what it is that pleases them and displeases them. It's not difficult usually if we just pay attention. Women are communicative in many cases about their particular needs. The real question, I think, is really what you asked earlier on. Why don't we act on what we know? She's told you not to pinch her leg, but you do it again because you like pinching her leg. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, I mean, the point is you're irritating her because you want to. Why would I want to do that, though? What would, be, what would make me want to aggravate her like that? Why would we men, I, other men do that? Do you do that? See, I'm not alone. There's a lot of me out there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes, it does start the cycle. That's exactly right. But let's get the group. What, what are, what's the answer to Rick here for your opinion? Attention? Oh, I'm getting attention. Attention. Negative or positive, I am getting attention. <laughs> Did you hear that, Britt? I knew the answer. I wanted Britt to hear the answer. Okay. Right. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yes. That's right. That's right. Whenever I say anything, it's always about me. Everything's about me. Yes, yes. Well, and that's, well, that's what we're campaigning on nationally. We're going across trying to introduce this new vocabulary because when you love a woman, she's going to outlove you. Her general nature, when you love her for who she is, she's just, it's what we call the sentimentality of the female. Oh. And she'll get up and I can't believe he just did this to me. She'll tell her girlfriend he left this car. So she will get really energized by that and then she'll seek to love on you. But what we're pointing out is there needs to be a change in vocabulary. She needs to take that energy of sentimentality and write the respect card, for instance. And we give her insights on what she can do to just really energize him. And then, of course, he's going to feel fond feelings of affection and this thing goes back the other way, among people of goodwill. If there's ill will in relationship, if there's been betrayal, these introduce serious issues. But generally speaking, we're assuming here basic goodwill. And when that happens, the relationship really takes a jump forward. Yes. Well, this is the number one question. Women have been left in the dark. Women are coming up to us and say, why hasn't anybody told us this? Particularly when they see their sons and all the men willing to serve and die in response to this. How could we get to a point in the culture where that was completely removed? Well, let me answer and I'll close with this. It's been said that men kind of, well, we'll put it this way. Women want the relationship to be more positive. Surprise me. Do something, you know, like you used to in a quarter. Create an energy, right? 
Men come to a point where they want the relationship less negative. So one of the things... <laughs> a, a candid response to your question. There are a lot of positive things. We spell respect six ways or things. But let me give you an in-note that you can apply immediately. Women do not appreciate because you're very expressive, responsive. And when your spirit is wounded, it comes out with what I call that sour, dark look. He hears and sees that as you don't like him for who he is as a human being. So when a woman prepares herself to soften that tone, keep that face a little bit clear, and approach the situation in less negative a way, watch what happens. It's incredible. Women have said to me, as they've been coached, we have what we call groupies. They've been to the conference six or seven times. And about the third or fourth time in, I'll get these notes. I finally listened to what you were saying. That if I just toned it down a little bit, was less negative, his spirit opened right to me. Now, that doesn't make sense to some women. But it's because he's misinterpreting her because she's misrepresenting her heart. When she gets on that crazy cycle, at a certain point, that negative ventilation is heard in his ear as contempt for who he is. If she pulls back on that, he softens and he doesn't distance himself. He'll actually turn toward. His love uh, motivates her respect. Her respect manipulates his love. Excellent. Hey, let's give it up for Emerson listening to Rick Ruby's Sales Training Bootcamp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670. That's 1-800-660-6670.